giving honor to our Lord and Savior Jesus, who is the Christ. To Dr. Tedder, God bless you. Thank you so much. And thank you, Reverend Jessica. Thank you, Reverend Donna, and those of you who've led us in worship, CJ and the choir. Amen, y'all. Well, praise God for the music ministry and those who have led us in worship today. To my sisters in public service, God bless you. Thank you for being here two times last night uh, for we had an opportunity to fellowship together and then again today. We praise God for the service that you render in the Lexington community and beyond. To my AME family, praise God. So good to see y'all just wave, say something so I see, I know you're here. Uh, we hung out together and worked together for eight years, amen. And uh, I still call Kentucky and Tennessee home and love to have an opportunity to come back and see you and also hear the great things you are doing in the name of the Lord. Uh, to students and faculty and those of you who call Asbury your place of preparation, I also greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. The text has already been lifted, but just let me remind you as I read from the message translation. Joshua said to the family of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, yes, there are a lot of you, and you are very strong. One lot is not enough for you. You also get the hill country. It's nothing but trees now. But you will clear the land and make it your own from one end to the other. The powerful Canaanites, even with their iron chariots, won't stand a chance against you. And our theme and thought of meditation is take a chance. To take a chance. Now, now you're going to work with me, right? All right, so I'm used to talk back. I know, I know feel back, I understand feel back and nod and all that, but, but come on and work with me today, amen? Work, 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 work. Something sounds familiar, your response is amen. Can we try that? All right, and so, and so something hits home, you go, well? All right, and so turn to your neighbor and say, take a chance, take a chance. Find somebody else and take a chance. Now, see, that wasn't so hard. Was that hard? That wasn't hard. It wasn't hard at all. Amen. All of us want to be safe in this unsafe world of ours. It's true. We want to live in safe places, protected from intruders. We want our stuff to stay safe from those who would steal our stuff, our peace of mind, as well as our sanity at the same time. All of us want to be safe in this unsafe world of ours. We want our children to grow up safe, safe from predators bent on stealing their innocence and sanity. We want to work in safe places, protected from lone gunmen willing to ruin everybody's lives as an active shooter. We want to shop in safe places where our credit card numbers and personal information is not harvested by those who do not have our best interests at heart. We want to engage in social media safe from trolls who harangue us because we said something they didn't like. We want to shop online without whatever we looked at following us every time we logged on. Amen. We want to play in safe spaces 
without being attacked by somebody rooting for a different team. We want to sleep safe without being shocked awake by a flood warning or a fire alarm or a smoke alarm or a tornado warning, forcing us to run for our lives. Media pundits are marveling at how many people are now traveling, even in the midst of a pandemic, to be with family or friends or a little spot on a beach somewhere. They are amazed at how much money people are spending just to get there, even with inflation, because they haven't realized that when people do not feel safe, and it looks like we don't feel safe anywhere in the world, the first order of business is to go to be with people that we feel safe with. It's a go-home moment. It's a circle-the-wagon event. It's a time to put those what-ifs aside and lift up the present moment. It's time to be with people that you care about and the ones who care about you. Spend more time with people we love and stop wasting time on people who won't and never will love you. And so how do you feel safe in an unsafe world? Well, we surround ourselves with security. For security used to be the exclusive privilege of the rich and famous, the political and powerful. The stars and the wannabe famous bounces on doors of establishments that you've never been in. Correct? Now we have mall cops and off-duty police officers and plain clothes everything and air marshals that fly with us and beeping security devices on clothes that you shop for and dye packs and bank bags and people who look big, bad, and mean with earpieces who are packing. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about when I say packing. And now we've got security devices, yes, in the bank as well as in our bedroom. Home security, security cameras, motion lights in the backyard, in the front yard, on the side, lights in the backyard, smart doorbells so you can see who's ringing your doorbell, cell phone apps that let you see who's trying to steal packages from your front door or breaking into your home, nanny cameras to watch the babysitter, uh, uh -huh. uh, and housekeepers, and even your spouse. Sp well, I, I got... I got security, you got security. All God's children got security. And there was a report out recently called Play It Safe. And the report said this, avoid riding in automobiles because they are responsible for 20% of all fatal accidents. Then the report says don't stay home because 17% of all accidents occur in the home. And then it says, avoid walking on streets or sidewalks because 14% of all accidents occur to pedestrians. And then the report said, avoid traveling by air or rail or water because 16% of all accidents involve these forms of transportation. Then the report says the remaining 33% or 32% of all deaths occur in hospitals, so don't go there. But wait, there's more. Still, only 0.001% of all deaths occur in worship service at church. 
And so therefore, logic tells us that the safest place in the world is at church. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Use that next time, yes. But that's exactly what we do. We come to church to play it safe. It's a place where we can smile and mean it. Safe place where we don't have to fake it when we're not fine. Safe space where we can really hug somebody and get hugged back without people thinking that we're weird. Safe place where you can shake hands, high five, turn to your neighbor and talk, touch your neighbor, and it will be all right. Of course, with all the safety protocols and distancing in the place. A safe place that provides a buffer between us and the realities of an unsafe world, or a buffer between us and the realities that are waiting for us at home or at work, that we can come here away from the harsh circumstances of life for an hour or two before heading back out to manage our to-do list before our to-do list manages us. Playing safe in church uh, uh, plays out like this. It is safer for us to stay in a place where there's some predictability neatly tucked inside the order of service. Or where there's a safety net of the tried and true even if the tried and true is not working anymore. Hmm. Safe church uh, is choosing people who agree with us. And we choose them to work on whatever committee we're working on. And we choose people who agree. Are y'all still here? Yeah. Oh, okay. Y'all got quiet there for a moment. I got scared, you know, today. Or we choose people who agree with us on everything to serve in leadership positions because it keeps conflict down. Ah, safe church is trying our best to be more loving in here so we don't have to try to be more loving out there. Uh -huh. Safe church is, uh, is being forgiving in here sometimes so we don't have to forgive out there all the time. Safe church is a place where it's easier to take care of those who are a part of the household of faith than it is to take time and precious resources to take care of those who do not deserve another rescue mission. It's safer to let our light shine in here where our light is appreciated rather than to shine out there where people may, may take out our light bulb before we have an opportunity to shine. Safe church, safe church. It's safe for us to sing and praise God in here than it is to sing and praise God out there. Because out there you may encounter someone who don't want to hear your song, don't want to hear your testimony, don't want to hear your praise, don't want you to ask for their prayer request, and don't want to know anything about your God. Safe church is focusing on what you want to keep rather than what you're trying to reach. Y'all still here? It's safer to worship with family members and known friends than to reach the masses, those of every birth, for Jesus gave the key. If I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all those 
unto me. Well, take a deep breath. Family and friends won't build your church. Just like family and friends won't build your business. If you own a coffee shop and depended upon your family and friends to come by at least once a week, you'd be out of business in a year. What would happen? What would happen? What would happen? If you dropped your fears, elevated your faith, and reached beyond your zones of comfort to become what Wayne Corriero calls an irresistible church. An authentic community of faith that reaches increasing numbers of lost people and help them to grow into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, what would happen? What would happen? Y'all are looking at me. I said, turn to your neighbor and say, what would happen? What would happen? Some of y'all are still looking at me. I said, look at somebody and say, what would happen? What would happen? What would happen if when you leave this institution of higher learning, that you would stop playing it safe, but open yourself to the power and presence of God. Ah, ah, and want to come just to be in his presence and bring others with you. That itself is a challenge in an almost post-pandemic or endemic environment. For people have gotten comfortable with the living room and bedroom church including the preacher. So just as you're trying to get the folk to come back, you're going to have to try to get the preachers to come back too. <laughs> what would happen if when you leave this institution of higher learning that you would dare to be a church that people would love to come to and want to come to? just to be in the presence of God. We may have to reach beyond the ordinary and normal to be the church that God is calling us to be. And, and, and why? Because that's what they're going to ask you. Why should we come back? The why is important. Ask Arthur Martin Sinek. We can tell people what. This is what the church of Jesus Christ is all about. We can tell them all about the how. This is how we do church. But we often fail to tell them why. Why is important. For why is your reason. Why is your days on retro. The part that gets you out of bed, preacher, when you don't feel like getting out of bed. And the why that makes you do when you don't feel like you want to do. The why is the why you preach in season and out of season. It's the why we come to worship and then leave to serve. Why? Preaching comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Why? Preach God's word, said my former mentor, Dr. Samuel DeWitt Proctor. Not just to tell the story, but reach through the story to bring the truth of God's word to the doorstep of the hearer. It's called holy ground preaching on holy ground. Why? 
why we are not to forsake ourselves of the assembling of others. Why? We are to greet each other with hymns and singing uh, and a holy kiss. Uh, the why is the front door of the go ye therefore. Uh, it's our marching orders to engage the world, uh, beset by rapid change and challenges. Uh, the why is the call that compels preacher uh, to take the life shared and experience within the congregation and share its power, the cross and the resurrection uh, in a hostile world beyond the sanctuary wall. Why? We cannot afford to be at ease in Zion. That's why. It is not just our mission as a church to sit on the sideline and continue to play it safe. It is not our mission to cling to the monotony of life with this declaration of independence. If I just pay my bills, I can die in peace. Oh, if, but it's if I can help somebody along the way, then my living shall be in vain, will not be in vain. What would happen, Ashton Abel? What would, ha what would happen? What would happen? What would happen? I'm praying for this whole first row right here. Well, what would happen if we lit a Holy Ghost fire on holy ground that reignited a passion for the things of God, that would adjust our agenda to follow the whispers of the Lord's leading or make it uh, our congregational or ministry our goal just to please God? Every time the church decides to play it safe, the shouts to move forward, to press on, to go higher, to stay strong, to get it done, begins to dim. Now this is where you say, Lord, have mercy. <sighs> Surely we are not to be conformed to this world with its fears and phobias, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Yes, we love to play it safe, but we are to stand, beloved. And ministry makes its greatest strides when we stand strong and stand together and take the risk that no one else has taken. And after we have done all, we stand. Faith doesn't grow in season of ease, but grows on the seas of crises and challenge. For faith eats trials for breakfast, tribulation for lunch, and then tells the testimony at the dinner table. Faith doesn't make it easy, but faith makes it possible. We believe in Jesus Christ, a Savior who never played it safe. Jesus says it this way, to play it safe is trying to save your life. And if you do that, you will lose it. But if you lose your life, you will save it. This is from a Jesus Christ who was a status quo breaker, the turner of tables over tradition, the shaker upper of all safe places. He was a safe place escaper who confronted sin, death, and hell, and still went around doing good. Is this the Jesus you believe in? 
He claimed to be the son of God. That wasn't safe. He claimed to be the only way to God and to eternal salvation. That wasn't safe. He demonstrated the love of God to those whom society says were not worthy of love and grace. That wasn't safe. He stepped over cultural biases and talked to women, the sick and the dying. That wasn't safe. He healed on the Sabbath. That wasn't safe. He forgave sin. Only God himself can do that. That wasn't safe. He directly confronted and challenged the religious leaders of the day and even called them out of their names and called them hypocrites. That wasn't safe. He made numerous prophecies about the future. He put himself at odds with virtually the entire establishment of the day. And though he came as a man of God, he kept company with sinners and tax collectors and wine bibbers that wasn't saved. This same Jesus calls us to live a life of unimaginable adventure, launching out beyond the shores of our comfort zone. The moment we chose to follow him, Jesus is the pathway to the new life. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come out and go in and find pastor. And when we step out of the unsafe world and into the kingdom, we no longer need to fear the thief that steals and kills and destroys. But we are given the power of God to loose his grip of his captives and set them free and return to God. This Jesus of ours is talking to us now in this safe space, calling us to move forward as spiritual pioneers, ministry explorers, prayer and worship warriors, inspirational intercessors, and missional minded. Who will shout with me today? Hear my Lord, send me. Can I exegete the text now? The wandering mega congregation of the Pentateuch have now fought and won the land of promise. Moses is gone and, and along with everyone who played it safe a generation ago. Joshua is no longer the young fighter wet behind the ears, but a proven warrior and leader of this aggregation of wilderness wanderers. There's a new crowd in town who is in full possession of the promised place of God. Joshua is now dividing the land. The tribe of Manasseh had already claimed some land east of the Jordan River prior to Joshua leading the charge to conquer Canaan west of the river. Manasseh was a large tribe and was going to get some of the land on the west side of the river. They fussed, they fussed, they, they, they fussed about the size of their lot. It's too small for us. We have too many mouths to feed, and the land would not support the tribe that made of that half. Now understand now, they did not drive out the people who lived there, the Canaanites, who fought with iron chariots. That crowd was big and bad and ran over the people who got in their way. 
Have you met anybody big, bad, who just wants to run over everybody in their way? And so they came to Joshua to petition for more land so they wouldn't have to fight to obtain the land they were given like everybody else who would have to fight for what they were given. Wait now. So instead of doing the work to get what they needed and what they felt they were entitled to, more land, why sweat for it when you can give me more of it that puts a buffer between me and the big and bad people who run over everybody. Understand that they were not asking more land to help feed more people. They were not asking for land to help raise the cattle and the planting of crops. They were just looking for more land so that they wouldn't have to take any chances. So they wouldn't have to take any risk. They wouldn't have to put themselves on the line fighting an enemy that was big and bad and ran over everybody. They were asking for more so they can play it safe. A larger safe space out of the way of trial and tribulation. They would rather whine about the problem than tackle the problem, complain about the issue rather than seek solution, take it up rather than working it out. Ever been there? Those who have less to lose usually have more to say. They somehow forgot the blessing they had already received. They had already been blessed with food to eat, strength in their body. Their families have already been blessed with provisions. They already had opportunity to grow resources abounding and, and spiritual blessings that the Lord had given to them. And it's easy when we are confronted with the issues of life, when we start to feel unsafe in an unsafe environment, all of a sudden the stuff that God has done for us just goes out of the window. We forget that the Lord has already forgiven us of our sins. We forget that God has already answered our prayer. We forget that mercy still arrives every single morning. And we somehow forget all that God has done for us. Well, tell your neighbor, well, am I still praying for the front row? Y'all, y'all all right. They couldn't get past the uncertainty of taking a chance no matter what has happened or didn't happen. For the next moment is always waiting to give birth to new beginnings. Did you hear what I said? The next moment is always waiting to give birth to new beginnings if we would only take a chance. So they stayed put. They played it safe. They were more afraid of losing what they had rather than going after to what they could, they could gain. Joshua, God bless his heart, didn't cave in to their request. He engaged in a little bit of tough love, and he tells them in our text, you are large, you have more mouths to feed, but you also have more hands to do the work. You also have more warriors to strategize. You also have more to fight to help clear the land and make it ready to plant and harvest. The same God who was with you the last time is the same God who is with you right now. And so what shall we say to these things? This is what we here shall say. Excuse me, not proper English, but it just fits. 
take a chance on God. Take a chance on God who wants to collaborate with you on your miracle. Did you hear what I just said? God desires to put God's fingerprints on the chances we take. God desires to act on our behalf. God desires to surprise us with his power and magnificence. And every time you play it safe, you deny God the opportunity to do what God does best. If we only do what we know, if we only go where we go, if we only handle what we know how to handle, we remove our need for God and God's place in making dreams come true and visions a reality. Moving ministry, growing churches, transforming lives, and working through us to change the world. The chances God puts before us are always beyond your human capacity. God is not going to give you something that you can already tackle. But God will give you something that's going to challenge you. Don't get it twisted. Your self-sufficiency is not an option. And it is no match for the power of God. What you know how to do will not work when God calls you to take on a God-sized challenge. Have you not known? Have you not heard? God is still able to keep us from falling. God is still able to do just what he said he'd do. God is still able to help us in time of trouble. God is still able to move mountains. God is still able to help us move mountains on the way. God is still able to do more and abundantly that which we ask. God is still able. Tell your neighbor, take a chance. Tell your neighbor, take a chance. Take a chance. Take a chance on God to co-create and collaborate on your miracle. Then take a chance on God and re-examine your core mission. Are you still passionate, white hot, not lukewarm, not about getting bodies in the pew, but reaching the unchurched, presenting Christ, and assisting in their maturation process? All of us, denominations, congregations, parachurch organizations, missionaries, all of us are looking to how we grow beyond managing attrition. Do I need to say that again or did that just, did that go too fast? Did I, you know, if you want me to slow down, just raise your hand and say, Bishop, just slow down. All of us, churches, denominations, congregations, missionaries, mission organizations, parachurch organizations, are all looking to how we grow beyond managing attrition. Y'all got it yet? Leading diminishing returns. Attracting servants into the prophetic pipeline. Buildings, budgets, huh? how to reach those masses. And if we try 
to play it safe by telling us all we need to do is transfer out the choir and transfer in the praise team. If we play it safe by telling us all we need to do is to add modern techniques, a marketing campaign, all we need to do is develop an internet congregation. All we need to do is to get some more screens in the sanctuary. All we need to do is a professional IT department. All we need to do is to get a website or a Facebook page. All we need to do is to get a hip-hop gospel liturgy. All we need to do is to have Skype Bible study. All we need to do is to ask people to tweet text during the sermon. All we need to do all we need to do, all we need to do, and if you play it safe, you'll miss it because it's not in the technique or the program or the department, but it is by the power of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You can have all that stuff and still nothing would happen unless the hand of God is upon the ministry, the church, or the denomination. It is the presence of God who never plays it safe. Now, I know we need order, I do. I know, I know we need structure. I'm a Methodist, I know that. I, 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 I know we need elements that lead people from the world uh, to worship. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But must we be so rigid that we fail to see the move of God among us? Huh? Must we be so tight that we fetter the Holy Spirit. Must we be so tight that we put restraints on the flow of the anointing? What would happen? Oh, y'all are in it now. What, what would happen? What would happen? What would happen if we asked the Holy Spirit to have his way with us? Huh? What, what would happen if we asked the Lord where to go? and when to go, and how to do, and where to stop. Well, what would happen? Ha, 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 ha. What would happen if we asked the Lord to arrange our preaching agenda instead of us picking whatever is convenient to preach? <laughs> there is the Lord who is able to do more than we would ask, who never leaves us nor forsakes us, just like my grandmama said, this Jesus who is a present help in time of trouble. Let us not be so caught up on regulating the church that we forget to resource her. We're so strong on law and order that we forget to how to love each other and how to love Jesus. But I don't know about you, but I'm so glad Jesus stopped by me. Aren't you glad Jesus stopped by you? 
Aren't you glad, hallelujah, that he didn't play it safe and passed you by for somebody else? I'm glad that Jesus still stops at the door of our lives. I'm glad that he still stops at our bedroom sometimes late in the midnight hour. I'm glad that he stops and wakes us early in the morning to tell us what is on our mind. I'm glad he still stops in the midst of our misery so we no longer worship our worries. I'm so glad Jesus stops at our church that if nobody else shows up, hallelujah, you surely want the Lord to come by here, oh Lord, come by here. Because somebody's praying, oh Lord. Somebody needs you, oh Lord. Aren't you glad? Jesus, stop now. Uh, glory, hallelujah. Uh, and think of all of the Lord things that the Lord has provided for us. Uh, now, here is the time for us to take a chance on God. Uh, don't try to go it alone. Uh, yeah, you've been changed. Uh, yeah, you got degrees. Uh, yeah, you've been educated. Yeah, you are the brightest star in your ecosystem. Uh, but don't leave here without the Lord in your life. And in chapter 17, Joshua encourages them and us that even though you got your own piece of land, even though you have your own church, he says stick together so you will not be alienated from each other. He says intermix, hang out with each other, maintain acquaintances and correspondence among the tribes. Help each other out. Work with each other. Though there are many, there's still only one Israel. Come here, Paul. What did Paul say to the church at Corinth? We have many parts, but we're still one body. It is still the same Christ. Are you willing to take a chance? Are you willing to take a chance? Are you willing to come on to I'm not playing it safe anymore on the side of that ledger? Can we do that? Seminary is a wonderful place to practice it. It's a wonderful place to try in a safe environment that will allow you to succeed and allow you to fail so that you can get back up and try again. Let's pray.